This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Okie dokie folks, welcome back to Horticulture Silver Rushing, and we are live talking about gardening in the deep south. So if you've got some things you want to chat about, it's going to be real, real easy. We'll be giving the toll-free numbers over and over again. Lines open right now, so if you want to give us a call, Charles, our fabulous intern, is going to be relating them to me by text because Liz Gill is in the studio. Right, Liz? You betcha, Felder, but uh, through the wonders of... uh technology we're all connected together thanks to support from supporters for mtv we got the technology even though i'm in cold cold northern england y'all are in hot hot mississippi we're still going to talk about gardening in mississippi so uh liz so i'm gonna uh, i think uh charles said i already got a call but i want to uh, let folks know that we hope java gets to feeling better he and i did a uh, a live thing from the uh, Chimneyville Festival last week, and I guess he must have been around too many sick folks or something like that. Liz, any idea how he's feeling? Well, no, but, you know, he's got a passel at his house, and what what comes around goes around. So <laughs> God bless all of his family. That's right. That's right. So uh, let's start out by going uh, to Jackson and talking with Jim. Good morning, Jim. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing great, Felder. How are you staying warm? Oh, yeah, it's a little chilly out there. They, we have hoar frost, H-O-A-R frost in England, which is frozen fog. It looks like spider It looks like a spiky haircut everywhere, but not that cold, but it's just chilly. So what's, what's going on I, with you this morning? Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that hoar frost in the mountains in North Carolina. It's really pretty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got a, um, a uh, gardenia that was grown from a cutting from a relative of mine. It's in a very big pot. It's about four feet tall. It needs to get in the ground. Yeah, uh, this is a good time to do that. Yeah, you can any plant that's got this in a pot that's got good roots, you can plant it pretty much any time. Uh, but what I would do is I dig the hole first because that might be all you feel like doing today. Make it a wide hole, not so much maybe a solid shovel deep in the middle, but but uh, it's going to be really important when you pull out the pot to loosen up the potting soil and maybe stir it into the native dirt. That's the only amendment. So dig a nice wide hole, loosen up the the potting soil, stir it in. And uh, then plant the gardenia pretty well level, maybe raised up just a little bit to allow for settling. Uh, and okay. then one other and, thing I'd do is say what? No, I was just going to ask you if it was okay, if, if, if you thought it was a good idea to cut it back a little bit because it's a kind of I, I, I do. Uh, matter of fact, you know, you can cut a gardenia back to a foot tall and it'll, it'll bush out next spring. There's no problem with that. Uh, you don't have to cut it back now, but but before spring, uh, you need to cut it back because you know it's gonna it'll, it'll blow up, it'll flop around the wind too much, and it'll put a lot of new growth uh, on top of some roots that are still trying to get established. So sometime over the winter, I cut it at least halfway back. Okay, that sounds great. Appreciate your help. Okay. Thanks, family. Hey, yeah, well, yeah. Hey, one one other thing: when you cut it back, uh, however far you cut it, next uh, next spring when the new growth comes out. Snip the tips off of it to make it branch out so you'll have a nice full bush instead of, you know, kind of leg at the bottom. Right. But just wherever, right. wherever you cut it, cut the new growth back. And now maybe even root some of the cuttings. Uh, that was going to be my next question when I cut it back. Um, should I should I use a new growth for uh, to root cuttings or can I do that, yeah. uh, uh, it, it, last it, year's it, growth? New, 
the 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 ideal stuff is the new growth has had time to kind of toughen up a little bit. You know, not the real flimsy new mm-hmm. growth, and not the old old right. woody stuff. But you know, so you know, right. sort of you can you can bend it really good without breaking it. Gotcha. All right, appreciate All right. it, man. Thank you. Have have fun. Appreciate it. All right, and let's slide up to Byron Byram and talk with Amy. Amy, how are you today? Stay warm. <laughs> Yeah, it's plenty warm here. How are you, Felder? Howdy, I'm doing fine. What's going on with you? So, it's the end of the season. I've got a bunch of old dead tomatoes and stuff in my in my garden. Some of them pots and raised beds. And I I want to refresh it before spring. And I'm trying to figure out is there a way to reuse that dirt so that I don't have to revive you know the making season. Potting soil yeah. next year, or okay. No, I, I, it's perfectly fine to redo. Now, for, as far as the pots go, I would take the pots, I would dump them out, and then put it right back in. If you need to add a little fresh to bulk it up, or maybe some bark for better drainage, but I would definitely dump it out and then put it back in just to sort of loosen it up. And uh, you, you might have you might have heard it's not good to grow tomatoes and other plants in the same dirt year after year. It's not that big a deal unless you do it year after year after year after year. Okay, so um, should I add like some earthworm castings or some fertilizer to it to make sure that it's got what the plant seed? Or well, I, I wouldn't do that until you're getting ready to plant in the spring. A lot of fertilizer and stuff like that it washes away, and if there's nothing growing there, it's, it's just a waste. So I'd wait till 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 next time you plant something before you fertilize. And earthworm castings are really uh, just basically a type of manure. It's just it's just it's just uh, cow manure instead of horse, or, or I mean, it's worm manure instead of cow manure. So treat it like a fertilizer. I'd wait till spring to do that, unless you got to plant something over the winter. Okay, I do have goat manure. Um, could could I mix that in so it have time to break down, or should I do that at the last minute? Nope, nope. Manure is manure is manure. Uh, these things now. Here's the thing: if you're growing them, are you talking about doing it in your in dirt or in potting uh, or in containers? containers. Okay, here's the deal. With containers, containers don't have any, usually don't have any real dirt in it. But what makes natural fertilizers, whether it's cottonseed meal or manures or anything, what makes them work is is, a, is a little things in the, the dirt, that microorganisms that break it down. And there's not a lot of that uh, in uh, in potting soil. So if you're going to do that, if you could find some dirt, some plain old dirt, just a scoop or two to mix in with, with your, your potting soil, then that'll help the uh, the natural stuff break down. And I, I, again, I would treat any kind of manure as a slow release fertilizer and do it at the beginning of the season, not in the middle of the winter. Okay, perfect. Thanks. I, I answered all my questions. All righty. Have fun. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. okay. And uh, Charles, we're staying busy. Let's slide up to Lexington now and see what Don's got going on. Hey, Don, how are you this, uh, I'm going to say, summer day? Okay, um, I've got a lime tree. That I've had for 20 years, and it's uh, in a big pot. It's uh, the equivalent, I guess, of a bonsai lime tree, but um, yeah. somehow I'm to keep it alive. And um, I'm curious, when do I trim it? I need to cut back some of the dead branches, and when do I fertilize it? Well, do you you do bring it in every year, right? In the winter time. Yeah, actually, it's like it's my uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what what I, uh, first of all, you know these things they can, they can grow year round in in warm climates in a greenhouse, but it's not all we're trying to do right now is get it through the summertime. So any I mean through the winter, any dead stuff or really weak stuff or cluttered, I would cut those off. 
Uh, and then whatever's left of the branch along, you can just cut them back like you would a, a hedge, just a shrub out. You know how people prune the roses every year? You know, you can prune any kind of container plant like that. So mostly it's to get rid of dead. Yeah, I guess my question, is when, my question is when, when do I trim it? Well, any time there's dead or, or, or bad wood, cut it off, you know, as soon as you get to it. But uh, as far as general pruning, I'd wait till closer to spring because the new growth isn't going to come out till spring. And we want it to be strong and healthy, not weak. Like, you know, stuff that's grown indoors gets kind of weak and spindly. So, uh, and I'd wait till closer to spring to do just general pruning. Okay, great. Uh, thank you. And um, when do I add, uh, when do you suggest to do some fertilizer? Well, it's the general rule of thumb is fertilize plants at the beginning of their active growing season. So we're looking at late winter or spring. And by the way, when was the last time you repotted that, that lime tree? Fifteen years ago? Yeah. Potting soil, you know, the, the potting soil is mostly organic matter, and it de- it just turns into dust. It decomposes. So every few years, it's a good idea to pull out of the pot gently loosen up the old potting soil and repot it with some fresh stuff, even in the same pot, because potting soil, it just disappears. You know, so basically you've got a plant that's growing in more roots than potting soil. So I think sometime towards the end of the winter, uh, I you know, about when you get ready to prune it, I, I pull it out, loosen up the, the roots a little bit, add some fresh potting soil, then fertilize it. I, I think it really is, a, I've been growing stuff in pots. Uh, I've got a rubber tree that I've had since 1974. But every four or five or six years, I, I repot it, give it some fresh potting soil because it, it just disappears. I understand what you're saying. Um, last year, I got about 20 limes off of it, so I was kind of in the mind of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, be gentle with it. But I think it's good to, if nothing else, pull it out and uh, loosen up the bottom roots and put some fresh potting soil down at the bottom. Because, again, potting soil doesn't last forever. And uh, sooner or later, the plant's going to start suffering, and, you know, you can hit it off a little bit. All right, listen, I appreciate uh, your suggestion. I really love your show, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank, thank you very much, Don. appreciate you being part of it. All righty. Liz, we had a nice little run there, didn't we? Lots of calls because you're a stand-up nope. garden guy. Nope, because gardening <laughs> is a popular thing, and I don't sell anything. By the way, I want to give a shout-out, Liz. Uh, two or three or four weeks ago, uh, the question came about cooking sweet potatoes, and somebody gave me a tip that I'd never heard before about microwaving them, then put them in the oven. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I usually microwave my sweet potatoes. Um, I I just I microwave them and I push the potato button on the microwave, but then pull them out about a minute before they're done, and then let them foil. I I don't know why you'd need to finish them in the oven, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, well, he, you know, it just sort of crisped the skin up a little bit. But anyway, I tried it because, I, you know, I, I, I like sweet potatoes, but they take an hour, hour 15, hour and a half to cook. Anyway, this guy said wrap them up two or three times, uh, two or three layers in, in plastic food wrap. It's going to blow up like a balloon, but it keeps the steam in. He said microwave it for 10 minutes and then pull it out, take the foil off, and just stick it in the oven to kind of, crisp it up or something like that and i did that and it worked like a charm i was never going back to an hour hour and a half uh, sweet potatoes again microwave 10 minutes wrapped up in in uh, plastic and then uh, you know usually i'm baking something else anyway just stick it in the oven to kind of crisp it up anyway i just wanted whoever that gave me that 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 uh that tip it was spot on i appreciate it Okie dokie, both horticulture is still rushing and before we go to this next call liz i i get to use 
I get to use a word I've not had a chance to use before. You ready for this? Oh, my gosh. Is the world ready it's, for this? What's this it's, word? It's, it's, in re, it's in response to Don's, who, who was calling about his uh, lime tree. He said it hasn't been repotted in 15 years. Well, there's a science, the official science of imaginary solutions. It's called pataphysical. Pataphysical, it's, uh, it, it represents the exception. So as soon as I say you need to do this, Somehow says, well, I've never done it. It works for me. That's that pataphysical science of imaginary solutions kicking in. And so I can never be completely right about anything as long as Aunt Mamie out there does it different and it works. Anyway, so we will touch on not only horticultural science, but pataphysical science as well. How about that? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> hey, let's slide uh, to, to Madison County and talk with Ryan. Hey, Ryan, thank you for holding, man. What's going on? Not a whole lot. I've got a big old vine. It's not really mine. <laughs> I rent Uh-oh. some space. It's my landlord's vine. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's a possum grape or what. It, I've seen small whatever's on it, but I'm not sure what they are. Yeah. Well, you know, we do have wild grapes, and we have wild, well, muscadine is a type of grape. We have several different species of wild grapes out there. We also have a lot of other vines that have berries, too, that may not be edible. So without seeing the leaves, can, you know, can you describe the leaf or does it have tendrils that wrap around things? Or, you know, can you give me any more description of it or send a picture or something? Yeah, it, it, it was about, I guess, it reached up about um, 30 to 35 feet in the oak tree. Yeah, but, but I mean, and even that, poison ivy has berries, though. What, you know what kind of leaves it's got? Uh, yeah, it looked like it could be muscadine, but it didn't okay. make muscadine. It, it had yeah. little small things, and they didn't get very big. Well, you know, uh, if it was a muscadine, it would have made either mature-sized berries or not. Uh, i tell you how you can tell a muscadine for sure. Uh, most grapes have got these little extra things that grow out there. They're called tendrils that wrap around things. Muscadine tendrils come out as, as just one long thread-looking thing, and it wraps around stuff. Uh, wild grapes, it comes out and it forks, you know, so it's got a short stem and then two little wiry things. That, but uh, muscadines, if you look towards the end, it should have long, skinny things coming out to help it wrap around twigs of other things. But if it doesn't have berries on it, you know, I mean, if the berries aren't regular muscadine size, it's probably, we, again, we have lots of plants out there, vines that have berries. So I really have to see the leaf to know for sure. I mean, that's just not much else I can do it because there's too many possibilities, including some poisonous things. So I'd have to okay. see. It's just like you go to a doctor. If you call a doctor, he says, come in and say, ah, because he got to look and see. I'm like, man. Yeah, so if, if, if it you get a picture of it. Grape, if it is a possum grape, do the birds eat them or what? Well, almost anything with berries on it are, are, are designed for, for birds and possums and all sorts of other things. If it's got a fleshy berry on it, something eats it. And that's how they spread. Something eats the, the berries and drops the seeds out the other end somewhere else. So, but again, it may be a possum grape, may not be. Grapes will have uh, a little tendril that coming out of the twigs to help it wrap around stuff. So, but uh, the other vines will do that too. So without looking at leaf, I wouldn't even begin to guess. Really can't. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay, good luck on it. If you get a chance, uh, take a close up of, of one of the leaves and send it to me. Sure. Will. Okay.
um, I guess it's pretty apt. You know, if you call a doctor, you know, a lot of doctors are having to go to uh, to not face-to-face things, but online consultations. But they want you to say, ah, and open your mouth and take a look around before they tell for sure. Same thing with identifying plants. Anyway, let's slide over to Brandon now and talk with Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Howdy. How are you? I'm well. Okay, um... I, I have I got some dirt and there was this strange looking worm in there and it had a funny looking head and I I did what everybody usually do I killed it and it, I found <laughs> out it was it was called a hammerhead earthworm have you heard of them I have and it's not really an earthworm it's actually not really a worm it just looks like that but it was kind of a sticky and slimy thing wasn't it Yeah well it was real skinny Yeah and it had it was it was light brown it had probably had some dark stripes running down it, but the head looked like a shovel. Yeah, yeah, it's scary, it's scary. Yeah, it is scary, but, you know, know, not if you were raised on Twilight Zone like I was. Nothing's scary to me anymore. Uh, This this is a creature that was introduced. It's not native. Uh, A lot of people say it's a new thing. It's invasive, but I I played with it when I was a kid. It, it, It actually eats uh, slugs and snails, and if it can catch them, it eats worms for a living. But usually a worm can squirm away from it real quick. But it's a little predatory thing. It's called a planaria. It's not a. It's not really a worm. As a matter of fact, this is really weird. If I hope you kill it some other way than chopping it up, because if you chop them up, they all grow into new ones. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yes, it is. You know, in, in general, you know, you you know, they're, they're toxic. You wouldn't want to eat them. And they won't stick on a fish hook. So what I would do is I would simply ignore them. You know, they basically, they're going to eat slow-moving things that they wrap around and, and they inject a little toxin and, and that sort of thing. Sort of like a, a different kind of snail. You know, it's not like a snail, but the the closest I can compare it to is if a snail's not bothering you, no need to kill it. Well, this ain't, bo- you know, it's not that big a deal is what I'm saying. Okay. It's just weird. It's just weird looking, but, you know, Imagine the first old boy back in the 1930s who came across a uh, an armadillo in the dark when they first came into Mississippi. Imagine coming face-to-face with one of those before the Internet. It must have freaked them out, too. So Anyway, it's called a, some people call it a shovelhead or hammerhead. If you look it up, it's going to say it's a terrible, horrible creature and need to get rid of it, and that's just simply not true. It's just, I would just ignore it as best you can. Okay. Think of think of you're on the you're on the the starship Teresa and you've discovered a new foreign life form. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, let's okay. There's a there's a lot of weird stuff out there, Teresa. Take your glasses off and a lot of it disappears. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Appreciate your call about that. Oh yeah, there's a every now and then there's a uh, a spate of of online warnings about the the hammerhead or shovelhead worms and how they dist- they eat worms and stuff. Most of the time, a worm can get away. Most of the time, it can get away because these things don't move real fast. So anyway, it's just one of those little weird things out there. Let's slide way down towards the coast towards Gaucher. Steve, how are you doing this morning? Hey, buddy. Good morning. How you doing, Mister Rushing? So far, so good. Trying to stay warm. Oh, nice down here. It's tropical. Hey, uh, y'all, yeah, got a question, a statement or whatever. Uh, well over half a century ago, when kids used to climb up these trees, and be careful on pine trees, but anyway, and we eat these grapes. And sometimes we call them scuppidines, and sometimes muscadines. Is that such a right. thing? Different thing? Or? 
They are? Well, yeah, they are. But here's the thing. They're all muscadines, just like all daffodils are narcissus, but there's there's different kinds. Some have got dark grapes and some have got light-colored grapes. And way back when, yeah. back in the back in in the uh, uh, you know uh, uh, when when Europeans first started exploring North America, they found a, a wild muscadine growing on a on an island in the Scuppernong River, and they named it Scuppernong. Okay. And so what's happened is down through the years, a bronze-colored muscadine is typically called Scuppernongs, but that's like calling all black fours a Model T. Model T is a black Ford, but there's lots of others out there. So anyway, Scuppernong is a common folk name for bronze muscadines, and then there's dark colored ones too. And it, but it really doesn't matter as long as we know what we're all talking about. Yeah, I do remember being different colors like that. And we used to yeah. say we, we were worse on those berries than the creatures were. But thank you for answering that. I didn't know it just made it up or old memory or whatever. No, no, thank no. You, Mr. no. No, no, Scuppernong is a folk name for the first ever named variety of bronze muscadine. Anyway, appreciate the thanks for the myth. We used to cut those vines off along the river and swing on them like Tarzan and drop out into the river. That was before we knew about alligators. We did too, but we swing across what we call branches down here. (laughs) Anyway, appreciate your call, Steve. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas. All righty. We're going to start out this half hour by going down to Hattiesburg and talking with Paul. Paul, how are you this morning, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? So far, so good. Not so bad. Okay, so um, file this one under trying to pay attention to the world around me and stop to smell the roses every once in a while. But I want, <laughs> okay. I got a question to uh, help me identify a crop that I saw growing that I just I didn't know what it was, and it looked kind of strange. So I'm going to try and describe it to you, one of the plants, and see if you know what it is. Okay. Because I don't know what it is, but it had a very long and thin stalk on it that some of them were five, six, seven, maybe even eight feet tall. And at the very top, there were these probably, I couldn't count exactly the number of fingers, but it looked like about almost like a human hand, like maybe four or five fingers that were coming out. And that was the leaf shape, like a hand almost. And I, I marveled at these things. I saw a couple of gardens with them in there and i'll say what in the world do they grow in there do you know what i'm talking about well i'm going to make an educated guess and keep it in mind that the 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 picture that i was raised at dr seuss so the picture in my head may not be what you're seeing uh but there's an interesting plant that i was raised with and i actually planted one for my great grandma's garden at the ag museum in jackson uh and and it's the the root of it is used as a source of starch it's called i just drew a total blank i was about to say it uh Starch, uh, uh, and you can make tapioca for the roots. Starch, uh, I cannot believe it. When I started talking, I had the name of it in my head. I've been raised all my life. Oh, uh, But it wasn't a vegetable or a fruiting plant that you could eat? Well, well, without seeing, I couldn't tell. You know, okra looks like that, too. Right. You know, it does. Okra, you know, it, it. when people plant okra in the spring and don't harvest, some will get six, seven, eight, ten feet tall, and the leaves are, are are what they call palmate, shaped like a hand, and has those pods at the ends of it. But okra could look like that. Cassava is okay. the thing I'm thinking about. Maybe that's Cass- what it was. I'm going to look that up well, online and see if that's the picture that uh, I'm thinking of. 
Yeah, if if it was okra and you saw it, you know, late in the season at this time of year, it's going to be tall, no leaves on the bottom, just like a like a almost like a fishing pole with a few leaves at the top and maybe a few yeah. of these little pods. But okra looks kind of weird this time of year. All but right, the, the, I bet the, that's the, what the it was. Yeah, the tree I was thinking about is called cassava. It's got leaves like that, and I and I've been growing it all my life. But anyway, I'm educated guess. I'm gonna say you saw Thank an you. okra plant that was allowed to get too tall. Just a guess. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Thank you. And uh, I don't know, Liz. Should I say I appreciate you stumping me like that? But I like getting stumped. <laughs> well, it, it <laughs> is. Know? Puzzles are fun. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have someone who can make an educated guess, that's for sure. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Uh, And I I bet it's going to be an okra. And by the way, you can take those okra pods and cut them off, turn them upside down, and paint them like long, skinny, bearded Santa Claus faces. I'm just saying. All right. I think I've seen that before. My mom has a big ornament collection. That makes sense. All righty. Thank you. Okay, Paul. Good luck. Hey, Hey, let us know. Let, let, let All right, me I will. Know. Okay, see ya. <laughs> Meanwhile, Liz, I understand y'all got your amaryllis bulb out. What do you mean got it out? Well, so this was so funny. So I went to one of the big box stores, and uh, I, my neighbor next door is diabetic, so I can't give her candy. So I got a amaryllis bulb out, and gave it to her in the box. You know, it came in a box yeah. with a bulb and then you 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 water it and it grows in a pretty stalk. Well, it was a gorgeous flower and then, you know, a couple of weeks after it it bloomed, she said, "Here, Liz, you can have it back." And I said, "Well, okay." Well, it What'd you it, do with it? Well, I I kept it and it continued to bloom and then the, you know, the blooms all went away and I I googled and just left the the green leafy part out and then set it outside and would, you know, would water it. Uh, with the other outdoor potted plants, but then yeah. I guess about September or uh, or so, um, we we quit watering it, and it kind of all shriveled up. And then we took it inside and we put it in the guest room closet, and uh, with hopes that now that we've brought it out, we're gonna water it and stick it back in the dining room on the dining room table to get uh, lots of good sun and see if we can get some more uh, bulbs out of it well it's possible that here's the deal with amaryllis you know they they bloom normally in the spring but if you let them go dormant you know complete no roots no water no leaves nothing and start watering them again then a lot of times they'll bloom so it's got a good chance it will bloom whether bloom in time for christmas or not i don't know but but you let it go dormant like it would normally uh, occur in its native south africa or, or in hot, dry southern gardens. And a lot of times they just go dormant. Uh, so there's a chance it'll bloom again. But by the way, that closet trick is only for poinsettias and only at night, not during the daytime. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of people, they put all their plants in the closet. And even poinsettias saying, what the heck is going on? What we do with poinsettias is we simply make them think nighttime is longer than daytime. So that it triggers a flowering response, but they need light and water, you know, sunlight and fertilizer during the day to, because it's a new growth that comes out uh, uh, with with the red color. So we don't put anything in a closet and forget about it. You just make the night longer than the daytime. Well, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people misunderstand that, and then they extrapolate it to everything else. Yep. I'm not saying bad, Liz. It's bad. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying 
let's keep our fingers crossed and next time don't put it in the closet. It's thinking, for crying out loud, I like sunshine. <laughs> anyway, we, we, let's get back to the phone call. Uh, poor Amaryllis, fingers are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's slide down to uh, over to Ridgeland and talk with Charles Arnold. Hey, Charles, what's going on? No, no, no. That's that's the, the interns. You, oh, oh, oh. That's oh, our Charles. 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 Charles uh, I thought I got a call for Charles Arnold. He's a, he's a USM graduate from Risland, our intern. Sorry about that, Charles. We've got Let's Rebecca go. from Fulton, though, if you'd like to speak with her. <laughs> see, see I, I switched over to the to Charles' thing now. I got you. Rebecca, how you doing, lady? <laughs> hey, Rebecca. Hey. What's up? Good morning. I, you know, it's funny. I, I can push the wrong buttons even when I don't have any buttons to push. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I had so much fun at Fulton uh, back in the fall. Well, we were glad to see you. Um, no, I just wanted to say I, I went to a wedding uh, last weekend in Oxford, and it looked like Bedford Falls in color. But but uh, I also wanted to tell you that that I, I missed getting going to to the horticulture club at State and getting those beautiful huge poinsettias that they would grow this time of the year. Yeah. They just um, I think they do that. Re- I don't. I don't know if they still do it at state. I know they do that research down at at a research station in Popperville, but I don't know if they. You know, because they've always done it at state. That's where I learned floricultural crop science. I, you know, I was one of those who grew those when I was a horticulture student. But uh, anyway, I, I know that they did it in Popperville, so I'd be glad to find out they also do it in Startville. I don't know. I just know that that they they sell these huge poinsettias and and they were not. Compared to going to a nursery, it was they were not expensive, and that, I was just grateful. My mother loved well, them, yeah. and she yeah. That's something. That's something we did as a horticulture club. That's one of our our fundraiser products. We also grew big. We also had the big mums for uh, for homecoming. But anyway, that was just that's how that's how they taught us how to grow crops was by making us grow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate the call about that. You bet, Rebecca, and y'all stay warm. You're up in the icebox up there. Stay warm because it's going to get cold. Okay, not today, but okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, let's slide down now to Mobile, all over the Gulf Coast. Maureen, what are you doing today? What's going on? Well, good morning. Um, I always love your show, and thank you for what thank you me. do. I wanted to pass along some information about the wrapping uh, sweet potatoes or any kind of food in plastic wrap, uh, it can release the carcinogens in you know in the plastic. And um, oh, yeah. if you wanted to cook your and I looked it up to see if that's still current science and you know tried, I didn't want to be passing along false information, but uh, science science does change. Be the case. So, so what they say? So um, you you well you well you shouldn't be doing wrapping in cooking in plastic. Plastic wrap, but you could if you wanted to do that same thing in the microwave, stick it in um, a corningware dish with a you know glass lid, and uh, you'd still get the same effect, but not be yeah, having the dangerous carcinogens from the plastic. So just that's a good, that's, a, that that's a good that's a good tip. I suppose you could to make sure that all the steam stuff, you could possibly put a little bit of the the, the plastic wrap around the edge of the corning dish to keep the steam in without it actually releasing it into the potato. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to stick with no plastic on, on the food for yeah, yeah. the duration. That, 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 that makes sense. I was just trying to think, you know, the, the worst likelihood is if you wrap it in the plastic and those whatever that stuff goes into the potato. But if you got any corny yeah. thing and, you know, and just keeping the steam in. Anyway, it's, it's a really good tip. I appreciate that. You could you could also use some parchment paper to to close that gap in the glass, um, you know something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Thought. Okay, good well, well, great. Good, good Th- tip. Thanks. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. You Bye-bye. bet, Maureen. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense at all. Anyway, we we have a caller from on the road. Fletch is calling from on the road. Fletch, where are you calling from? Anyway, and I hope you're on the side of the road or hands free or something. Well, actually, uh, I'm at home taking a uh, vacation day, cleaning up the yard. So I oh, am that can, not rolling that, around. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's a good day so, to work up a sweat out there. What, what you got, what, what are you doing today? Uh, just really honeydews, uh, uh, leaves, and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not getting real creative. Yeah, are you bagging them? Or are you putting them around shrubs or mulching them or what? I, I mulch them. I rarely ever bag them. I mulch them, um, but this is really just getting them off the patio at this point, so I can't mow them. Good. Good man. I do understand. Before I left uh, last week, I got up on the roof of my cab and took a leaf blower to it, blew all, the, all my leaves into the neighbor's yard. She wasn't at home, and I hope she's not listening. <laughs> anyway, what, what's up? What what, what you calling well, about? Well, uh, I'll tell you, I emailed you a, a photo of a jalapeno pepper that looks like uh, an embryo, and I said of either the Hulk or of uh, Delta State okra uh mascot but uh, take a look at that on the on your yahoo um but i was really relieved to hear you identify that uh snail killing um worm uh creature i i thought it was a parasitic maybe heartworm or or something like that so i'm relieved to know that it is fairly benign yeah oh uh, no it's it, it is you know uh, on, people write stuff online, and they're looking for something exciting or sexy or or scary or whatever. And every now and then, this thing goes around by this horrible creature that that uh, that in, injects a nervous system poison and all that, and killing the earthworms. You know, I played with those in the Delft when I was a kid. They're creepy, creepy looking things, but they're not that they're not that big a deal. Uh, I did get your uh, your pepper, by the way, and just improper pollination, but that's not a pretty thing at all. It's it's a little grotesque, and, yeah, and when yeah. you said you were you were uh, playing Tarzan on those vines, were you jumping to the Indian Bow or Sunflower River? No, Sunflower River. Indian Bow had snapping turtles bigger than wash tubs. I wouldn't and and, and alligator gars. Would, you, know, I, you know, I played on the bio there in Indiana. Of course, we live right next to it, and I fell in it a few times. But, you know, I was always scared of the Gaspagoo. Have you ever heard of the Gaspagoo? Well, that, what? among other stuff, uh, draining out of the back side of the Bill of Service stations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. You were raised right, boy. You were raised right. Anyway, I hope you do better next year with your peppers, and don't worry about those, those shovelhead worms. Good deal. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Have <laughs> okay, okay. Ba- back outside. See you, man. Okay, now let's slide over to Startville and talk to Dietrich. Dietrich, what's going on? Hey, Felder, how are you doing today? Good. So far, so good. Hey, listen, I got a question about my broccoli and cauliflower. So I planted some broccoli and cauliflower, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, around Thanksgiving or a little bit before Thanksgiving, we went through a, a cold snap for about two, about two weeks or so. The temperatures got down in the, in the 20s. My cauliflower and broccoli was looking good 
green, beautiful. They haven't put a head on them yet. And after that cold snap went through, my leaves started turning yellow to brown looking. And I was like, oh, man, what happened here? So now I'm trying to figure out, you know, what can I do to make them come back green and pretty and get ahead of them? Well, here's the thing. First of all, they're in the same family as collards and cabbage. They can take cold weather. Cold weather, you know, I mean, chilly weather doesn't really hurt them. Matter of fact, it makes a lot of things like collard and kale and lettuces taste sweeter. Uh, but but kale and uh, but broccoli and cauliflower, they don't really grow in the wintertime. They just grow better in the winter than they do in the summer. They will not take summer heat at all. So we typically we plant them in the late summer and hope that they produce before it gets too cold in the winter. And then we plant them again in the late winter, hoping the little plants can make it until they can produce before it gets too hot in the summer. Well, if you're trying to keep them over the winter, if they get frozen, this is not natural for them. They can take it, but if anything stunts the plants, it makes them stop going, whether it's hot and dry or hard cold or anything that makes the plant stop, it has a hard time picking back up. So what I would do is I would go, I would give them about a half shot of some kind of liquid fertilizer because that's fast. It goes right to the roots. So, you know, mix up in, any kind of good quality liquid fertilizer, about half strength, pour it around them, and see if that doesn't give them a little spot of new energy, and maybe they can do something for it to get a really, really hard cold. That's about all I could do. And don't worry about the old leaves. Uh, you know, they just turn yellow because of, of stress. Uh, what we're trying to do is encourage some new growth because that's what's gonna. That's where any of the flowering heads, which is what we eat, will come out. A little bit of fertilizer, and fingers crossed. What what fertilizer? Uh, like some triple thirteen, some eight six six. No 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 no, or, no 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 so, something like you get in a box or jar that you mix with water. Okay. You, okay. You know, like Miracle Girl, one of those kind of things. You know, something because see these things you mix with water and they're already dissolved. The plants can absorb them as soon as you get them. These other things they got to okay. dissolve a while. So we want to just give them a little little. It's sort of like giving them a Snickers bar. You know, liquid okay. fertilizer. Sort of like giving the plants a Snickers bar. Some quick energy. Quick energy, that's right. We're going to jumpstart them, see, see what happens. And then uh, if you can, next time when you, when you set these plants out, here's a, it's really weird. There's not a lot of rules about gardening, but there's a few little tricks that we've learned. And uh, cauliflower and cabbage, if they ever stop growing, they have a hard time producing that nice big head that you're used to. you got to keep them growing steadily. So get little plants, not big old woody-looking things, but some little plants and put them out mulch them to keep them, you know, from getting too hot in the summer, and just keep them growing steadily. A little water every now and then, a little bit of fertilizer, so that they grow steadily, rather than in jump uh, I see, I see. So I, I waited too late to put them, I guess, because I, I guess um, I put them in around sometime the either end of September or beginning of October, so... That's and, not too late, but you know, late August, September, first of October, that's sort of the last call for fall planting. And again, you got to just keep them growing steady during the, the few, first few hot weeks. And then you can set them out again, starting in in uh, in late in March. You can start setting them out again. Maybe they'll produce before it gets too hot. So, oh, okay. Anyway. Thank All you right. so much for that information. I appreciate it. All right, that's reason I'm here, my friend. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, now do we do we, is Mikey still with us from Mobile? She sure is. You want to go to? We got Mikey and Jerome. Okay, well, we, I think we got time for both. Let's go to Mikey and see what she's up to. Hey, Mikey. Hello, Mikey. Okay, well, let's go. Well, to try Jerome. 
Hey, is this Jeremy? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Jeremy, both from Mobile. We'll try Jeremy in Mobile. Hey, Jerry, how how, how you doing, Jeremy? It's it's nice to talk to you again. Um, I have a, a question about. Um, I have a uh, kind of a, a volunteer garden that we did. Uh, yeah. Ten years ago, that it everything is uh, like volunteers, peppers and stuff. But I have I have jalapenos. I have jalapenos coming out of the same pot as uh, the cherry tomatoes that are also volunteers. But yeah. every year they get hotter and hotter and hotter, and they're little red jalapenos. Uh, yeah. The green ones, when we pull them off, they're fine. The red ones will absolutely blow your head off, and I've never yeah. experienced that before. Um, now, but I, I did have a whole lot of other stuff going on. Uh, I grew you know, 24 pots of uh, really hot peppers just for fun. And I think it could it be cross-pollination. Well, a matter of fact, the, the only, you know, a, a, a hot pepper, almost all of it is hot, but the hottest parts of the seeds and those membranes that the seeds are attached to, that's always oh, the yeah. hottest part. And, uh, and you can grow a sweet pepper next to a hot pepper side by side, and the sweet pepper will still be sweet, but the the seeds might be hot, but if you save the seeds, if, if there's cross pollination, next year it's going to be part sweet, part hot, and then the next year, yeah. you know, it's a genetics thing. So you know, as long yeah. as it's cross pollination, right? Yeah, that's right. It doesn't always happen because these plants are self fertile. But if you got bees that mix pollen up, then that'll happen, and it does concentrate. And it's uh, it's, and, uh, it's really amazing. I've never I've never seen a jalapeno that that got that hot ever. It's as hot as a scorpion pepper. Um, did you grow? Did you grow scorpions? Yeah, we did scorpions. We did um, well, the, did, uh, the, did, the 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 Carolina Reaper. We did all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, what you've got is no longer a jalapeno. It's a hybrid. It may look like a jalapeno. You know, that's called the the, the phenotype. It looks like a jalapeno. Yeah. The genotype means it's got some some of that other stuff in it. And it, it well, like and, and we were so we we're so lucky with it though that they they are volunteers. Like we only harvest half of them; the rest of it just goes to the birds or goes to the ground, and they come yeah. back every year. Well, you know that's that's the way it was done ten thousand years ago when we first started cultivating crops. And what people would do is they would select out the nicest ones and save seeds for those. And so it's sort of like a long time genetic manipulation. They only save the really good ones. In this case. Like the scorpion, the Carolina Reaper, they only save the hottest ones to get them hotter and hotter and hotter. So you know yeah. what you're doing is you just do you do a natural selection out there, and they're having a RTs. And it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I make I make something called death sauce. I, I I get all the all the hottest ones. I you know tell the family to leave the house. I put on a uh, a rebreather, and I flame roast everything and then blend it all together and then i jar it up and save it for next year yeah i i, I dried my hot peppers this year I, I chopped them up in small pieces spread them out on some on a, on a cookie sheet with some some baking paper paper in there uh, to just let them dry real slow but i went out this and came back in and my it, my whole house made my eyes burn it was great yeah <laughs> No, that's why I do it outside on the on the flat top. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Anyway, have fun. Hey, let's. I got a little bird's eye pepper. I'll swap you sometime for some of those hot jalapenos. Save some of the hot jalapeno seeds, and I'll swap you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next time, next time I'm in in Mississippi, I will uh, look you up and find where you are. 
Chilipiquin, man, they're, they're, called, they're little poppers. They'll eat you up and they make you smile. No, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like riding a roller coaster. You know you're not going to die, but you think you are. <laughs> for ten, you have to keep telling yourself, this is going to be – in 10 minutes, it's going to be gone. But meanwhile, yes. I, I can't make it 10 minutes. We're out of time. But did, did, did you just snort? Uh, we got, I, I, I laugh. <laughs> you made me laugh. Sometimes I snort when I laugh. That's, that's a good way to end a program is get somebody to snort over hot pepper. <laughs> I've had a good time today, folks. We've been just talking about gardening. I got stumped on some stuff. Some stuff I knew more than I needed to know. Sometimes I got a little pedantic. Uh, sometimes I made some guesses. But that's the way it is with us. We who appreciate not knowing everything and learning from others. And that's what we can do every week right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting all week long. If you've got something on your mind, we got somebody to talk with you about it. We'll be back with the Gestalt Gardeners. Rebroadcast on Saturdays at 10. Podcast, go to mpbonline.org. Listen to the podcast. Send it to your friends. And um, if you have a chance, take a kid to a garden center. Take them to a farmer's market. Tell them how to do what we do best, folks, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.